Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerdette Book Club. It's just like a regular book club, except you extremely do not have to actually read the book if you don't want to. This month's pick is Danya Kukavka's Notes on an Execution, which the author calls crime fiction, but which I think still has some strong thriller vibes to it, which I'm sure we'll get into with this month's panel. If you listen to Nerdette, you already know this dynamic duo. We have MJ Franklin, an editor at the New York Times Books. MJ, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. Thanks for coming back. We also have Tracy Thomas, who hosts the Stacks podcast. Tracy, welcome back. Yay. Thank you for having me back, too. Okay, so this is time for the spoiler warning. If you have not read this book and you don't want spoilers, this is not the episode for you. Go listen to the spoiler-free author chat that is in the feed. If you haven't read the book and you love spoilers, or if you've read the book, welcome. We are glad to have you. Um, I just had so much fun talking to both of you about the best books of 2021 that I had to get this little band back together. Um, Tracy, when you came on last year, you talked about how you usually read nonfiction and you like major bummers. Uh, This is obviously fiction, but I feel like it has some bummer elements. Is it a book that you would have picked up if I had not asked you to read it? Okay. Yes. This book is a book that was on my radar before you mentioned it. And I had actually started it in December and read like 20 pages. And then I got distracted with things I had to read for work and I put Mm -hmm. it down. So when you were like, do you want to do this book? I was like, yes, because as much as I love nonfiction, one of my other favorite genres in nonfiction, but sometimes fiction is like a serial killer cult murderer type moment. So this is definitely in my interest wheelhouse for sure. I'm not really a true crime person. So I'm excited to hear your takes on all of the things kind of from that perspective. So MJ, I actually picked this book up because you told me about it. And um, it's funny because I feel like your tastes tend to be a little more on the literary side of things, which, you know, I guess this arguably is, but there are still so many genre elements Um, What initially caught your attention about it? So this is also one of the type of books that I would not typically read. I dipped into it for work and then moved on um, and couldn't get it out of my head. And so then I read it and like fell in love with this book. Small spoiler alert of how I feel about it. Um, (laughs) And like couldn't get it out of my head, loved it. And then you, we were just like chatting on Instagram and you asked me what I was reading and I mentioned it. And then like, I realized as I was talking to you, I was like, wow, I really did love this. Um, Hmm. But it's, I don't tend to read a lot of thrillers. I don't tend to read a ton of crime fiction. And so I don't think had I not seen it through work, I would have picked it up, but I'm really glad that I did. Well, and it's so interesting to think about because like, I don't know, thinking of your first 20 pages, Tracy, like those first 20 pages are 
really intense. Like the first couple chapters of the book, I actually turned on the audio book and got in the bath and was like, oh, listen to a fun book. And then was just like, oh, my God, this is so intense. <laughs> is that partly why you put it down when you did, Tracy? Or are we going to no. stick to the other I, I love intensity. Um, it's like what I'm here for. I just put it down. It wasn't... It, I, <laughs> this is gonna sound crazy it actually like wasn't intense enough oh, for me i kept falling asleep a little bit um huh. wait what like I, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not that it wasn't intense enough i just don't think it was like my kind of intense i don't know hmm. it just didn't it didn't capture me and then again i had to read things for work okay so that usually is like excuse. when i pick something up for myself if i run out of time i just have to put it down because i'm like okay i'm interviewing another person tomorrow and like right. haven't finished their book yeah um so it just sort of got like lost in the shuffle but it didn't it wasn't i wasn't screaming to pick it back up hmm. that's so interesting so of course we also got some voicemails from nerd out listeners here is one from celiana who called in from berlin I'm kind of a true crime crime buff, but I just can't handle stories about glorified serial killers who slaughter nameless women anymore. I just don't want to read stuff like that. So I enjoyed this different take. The voices of the women, the complicated women who are connected to the serial killer in Notes on an Execution were far louder than his. And so it was a quite compelling read. So Tracy, since you are kind of our true crime slash crime person representative among the three of us, at least, <laughs> like, I, you know, I thought I thought this book was really interesting because it seems to be taking down a lot of tropes while also store, sort of like building off of them, too. Is did you like that element element of it? Did that work for you? OK, I I just I'm just gonna say this now because I feel like I just have to say this before people hate me. I did not love this book. And I okay. had a lot of things about this book that irritated me or made me feel like the I felt like I was being told one thing about the book, but what I was reading was something different and that was very frustrating. And that actually comes to this exact point that the listener just shared. Like you don't think it takes down the genre? I don't think it takes down the genre at all. I yeah. think that by having um Ansel's voice be so repeated throughout the book and having the women con consistently play into his idea, like his manifesto, you know, about like time and multiple realities and all of these things. And they keep reframing that and we're supposed to trust them and like them and think that they are good people or whatever that means, which is obviously like a big question in the book. But by having them frame their thoughts through his manifesto, it actually reinforced everything that he was saying and gave mm. legitimacy to everything that he was saying. And, you know, there's the scene with the warden where he's like, everyone has a manifesto, like all of you killers have this thing. And like, I thought that that was a really interesting point that did sort of take down the genre a little bit but mm -hmm. then by having the women consistently every single woman had at least one moment where she was like I saw this person in another reality or like the mother being like what if I had done this what if I had done mm -hmm. that it could have been different and so for me I'm like well you're reinforcing everything that Ansel is saying and you're giving him the credence so for me like that really graded on me because I felt like he was still the center of the book. He's every other chapter. He's the person we're getting most of the information from. And then it's being reframed by these women, but it's still like his point of view, his take on things. And so I was like really uncomfortable 
by being told that it wasn't going to be that. And then it actually, in my reading, like, really was that. Huh. Yeah. That's really interesting. Well, and it reminds me of something that MJ, you mentioned to me when we were talking about it, um, which is like Ansel's storyline also is what arguably provides most of like the narrative propulsion in this book, too. Mm hmm. For me, I totally agree with everything that you were saying, Tracy, but I was really, I didn't know how to grapple with the idea that like, yeah, the book still is very much Ansel's story. It's very much like he mm -hmm. is the center. It is a story of a serial killer. And we're told that we're like kind of getting rid of those conventions. And structurally, the book definitely does not. But I think spiritually it does in a way that really worked for me. You're right. Like, the chapters are organized around him. You get so much information about him uh, through his own perspective. But I feel like people are constantly like calling him out, making fun of him for his own sense of self and his inflated ego. The women in the book aren't presented as just like victims. And, and the, the three women whose perspectives you do get aren't necessarily his victims, but people who just orbited around him. I think you later on find out more about his victims. But the, those women aren't just like saints. They also have their own demons and they do bad things throughout. And so I feel like spiritually, it was kind of expanding the way we talk about serial killers and the way we critique them and the way we approach them. But structurally, it definitely did follow Ansel, and I thought that was intentional. Like I, I thought throughout the book, um, Donya Kukavka is imitating a lot of tropes from that genre so that we can brush up against them. And she's she's not resolving a lot, but she's kind of creating this tension within them that I think for me was really rich that I really enjoyed. But okay, can I ask you this follow-up to that? Because this is what like was difficult for me. I'd love to hear both of your takes. Is like I feel like the way that it was done, it ended up being like serial killers. They're just like us. I don't think that Ansel gets to be like his mistakes get to be on the same level as like his mother's mistakes. And I feel like the way that she complicated things, it would like the mom has like some line where she's like, oh, I guess all is well in the world or whatever towards the end when she finds out that Blue is going to go to his execution. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> like, no, your grandchild taking the obligation to go to this execution because mm -hmm. you abandoned your child and then he like went on to kill all these people and not blaming her but like right. this thing that like we all have good and bad in us sure but like we're not all serial killers and it felt like a little too murky for me mm. like I'm like what are you saying then that Safi because she stalks him is like equally bad to him again a serial killer like, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think they're like evils that are nowhere near comparable. And But one of the notes that I actually wrote down in prepping for this episode is that this book gestures towards like big what if conversations and then drops them. And I think that's kind of the point mm -hmm. that like it does say like, oh, what if Ansel had not been abandoned? And like, what if he had known about his brother? Like all of these things. And it gestures toward those conversations. And then it, ends with well he did these things period like we will not forgive him and i think mm -hmm. something similar to what happens with soft like safi what happens with lavender it's like they're saying like oh like safi kind of questions like should i have stalked him did i derail this future that he could have had and then she's like well i did my job i did what i had to do and that's like 
that's it. And so I agree with you that they're like the, the, there's no resolution to that big conversation that they're gesturing toward. I do think it kind of uncomfortably puts some of their evils on the same scale, but I think the book then refuses to like weigh them <laughs> if, like, to kind of continue this yeah. metaphor. Like it puts everything on the same scale and then says like, I'm not going to, we're not going to measure these. Right. And I hate that. <laughs> like, that's just like not my kind of thing. Like, I'm like, I read, I'm with you for 250 pages, but like, I don't know. I don't need a resolution, but I need, I need an acknowledgement that like, maybe you're not going to weigh everything, but like, maybe these things actually don't belong on the same scale at all. Hmm. You know? Yeah. That's an excellent point. So Tracy, I mean, you said you didn't love it and you, that you were irritated. I mean, it sounds like you were very frustrated. Like, did yeah. did you hate this book or is it just no. like it didn't work for you and you were you wouldn't necessarily recommend it? I think what it was was for me, I just found a lot of the book to be and I hate to use this word, but like problematic. Mm. Like there were a lot of things about this book that irritated me and like took me out of it. I mm. actually really liked the writing. I once I got back into it for this, like I read it pretty quickly. I was interested in the form and everything. But like the other thing that I really hated and this might just be a me thing, but I really despised like the copaganda around Safi, it was it drove me crazy like i just the whole glorification of these detectives and this whole thing and i'm like but you guys botched this case like he went on to kill his wife like what are we talking about and like so that part of it was just like i'm at my wits end with copaganda just generally and again like that's just where my mind is right now um and then i also felt like there was and I can't exactly put my finger on it. And this is, I, I, I'm almost loath to say it because I don't have like a very concrete example, but the conversation around Safi and her Indian heritage oh, felt mm-hmm. very like white woman mm-hmm. writer to me. Yeah. And it's like sort of one of those things, if you're a woman or if you're queer or if you're black or whatever, you can't always say when something feels like, oh, this thing feels like, off Mm. you can't exactly put your finger on it but you just get that sense of like oh this guy that i'm talking to is like giving me weird vibes like yeah i'm gonna google him and see what his story is you know and you're Mm -hmm. like oh okay he has like a sexual harassment suit out of you know like i just was getting that sense with safi and i just really didn't like that part of it either i like agree with everything that you've said and i think the last time i was on this podcast i mentioned how i like books that after i finish i just like sit in a, in a puddle of sighs and i just like yeah. sigh about it and i felt mm-hmm. that way about this book and i think that the book elicits that reaction for like the overall storyline but it also elicits that reaction pretty uncomfortably for a lot of things that you just mentioned, Tracy, about the propaganda aspect. Like, I don't want to sit and thought inside, like, meditatively about whether or not we are portraying like these cops who bungled this case, like, in a positive light. Like, that's not something that I want to feel ambivalent about. And similarly, I, I don't want to feel, I don't want to sit and sigh about whether, like, the storyline kind of brushed up against like portraying a culture and a heritage properly. Like those are not the types of things I want to feel ambivalent about. And it is really uncomfortable. And yet that type of ambivalence is echoed throughout so many other, other um, parts of this book. And I think especially with other storylines and that I did like, and so 
I don't really have a point other than just like, I'm realizing stuff and I am now sitting and sighing in response to what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because sometimes I feel like I go into these conversations not liking the book as much as other people. And then I'm convinced that I like it by the end of the conversation. I wonder if the inverse is a That's what happens to me a lot on my show. Yeah, I go into a book club conversation and I'm like, I didn't love this. And then I leave and I'm like, okay, this is the most perfect book ever written. (laughs) Right. I don't, I just, I don't know. Like there are just so many little things. Like I'm looking at my notes and I forgot completely about the like Black Lives Matter moment at the end, like in the last 15 pages when he's getting ready to get executed. And it's like, and then black people have it a lot worse than white people. And it's like this afterthought that was like thrown in and like, just like little things like that kept like triggering my, like something's not right here feeling about the book. And so it took me so much out of like what she was necessarily trying to do with the actual like conversation about a serial killer yeah there's a sense that like if you're gonna go there go there yeah like it was such an afterthought (laughs) i totally see everything that you're pointing out i still love this book (laughs) (laughs) i'm not trying to convince you mj i'm just (laughs) expressing my my things that made me feel weird well one thing I will say I totally get especially the propaganda thing what you're saying and on I mean the Safi storyline too thing like that's also like that could have not existed in the book at all and I don't think it would have like you it's it didn't contribute to her character in an important way either I don't think in which case like it really just felt extraneous in addition to being mm-hmm, problematic mm-hmm. in which case like let's lift it out you know um I will say about the propaganda thing or at least like the the fact that the justice system did fail. Like, I, I think that is a larger element to this book that I liked a lot because I do think it, you know, it also does raise questions about the death penalty. And to your point, I, you know, it does it imperfectly, like from a very white perspective. I think she tried at least to like point out ways that all of these systems, all sorts of systems along the way failed all sorts of people in this book. I agree that she did try to do that. I think that the propaganda stuff that I didn't like was sort of the interiority of Safi. Mm, like we yeah. were supposed to really sympathize with her. Like I understand what she was trying to do with like the foster care system failed and right, you know right. like, yeah, like prison industrial complex is bullshit yeah. and all this stuff. But like the way that similarly to how I felt about the way that we're being positioned with Ansel in the format of the book that it's like it was hard for me to be like okay we're not sympathizing with him because it really feels like we are Mm. um but same thing with Safi it was like okay this main character and she got these like huge passages in the book when it was her section and it was like we're really supposed to feel for her and we're really supposed to you know embrace her and then but what does that mean that we're embracing like what kind of person are we embracing we're embracing a detective who is trying to put someone, you know, in prison for life for or for um, like get them convicted on death row. Like I don't, it just it it becomes this like worship of cop culture. Um, and so that's what was difficult for me. Not so much that like the systems fail because I know the systems fail, which is why I hate cop culture so much in right, the first place, right. you know, so that's yeah. where my disconnect was. I am noodling. And I think, so for me, (laughs) (laughs) um, what I think I appreciated about this book is like, 
you mentioned how like the uncomfortableness with Safi's like storyline and how we're supposed to root for her as this cop and detective is similarly uncomfortable as how we're kind of like uncomfortable with the death penalty even as we are watching this like horrendous man face justice um and like there's a tension in that like all of a sudden it feels like you're rooting for what we consider the wrong thing right like like usually we're like anti-death penalty but all of a sudden like you want this person who's killed all of these people to face justice in some way shape or form and so how do you resolve that and similarly like Safi is stalking this person at first she's trying to solve the case and I think there's a kind of like personal vengeance to it when you realize their past relationship and now she has a chance to kind of like seek justice on behalf of Ansel's victims but then also seek justice on behalf of what's happened to her in the past like you're kind of rooting for her and then you see how like the detectives bungle the case and how they're bad and all the sexism that they face and so you want Safi to succeed and yet you're like this is me like uplifting this the system that I don't necessarily agree with and so for me one of the reasons why even as some of the positioning left me in uncomfortable places why I like this book is because I get the sense that we are exactly where Danya Kukafka wants us to be. And I think she is so consistent in getting us out of our comfort zones and putting us in these places where we're considering or considering things or rooting for certain objectives that are so different than what we would normally do. And I, I think that's because of the choices that she makes in the storytelling forms, the choices that she makes in some of the plot twists. And I think the precision in her writing. And I think she has gotten us consistently on various threads to this weird, uncomfortable place. And I think at a certain point, I'm like, oh, this is not a fluke anymore. This is just like skill. A lot of food for thought in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) More on notes on an execution in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. We thought for our rating system we would do uh, cry face emojis and heart emojis. (laughs) (laughs) So from one to ten cry face heart emoji combos. Tracy, what would you give this book? I would give it like a like six, six. Oh, that's not bad at all. That's a D. <laughs> okay, well, it's more than half. I, I normally do out of five. I've never done out of ten. I don't know. I was, I was, if out of five, I would do three, so I doubled it. I don't okay, know. It's like three half. Three out of five. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> uh, what do you think, MJ? 
I think I would do nine. I would do nine out of 10. Yeah. I really, really admired this book. I think there are some things that I, like just as a reader, I wanted something different, but I think that like, this is the story that Danya set out to tell. And I think she tells it spectacularly, whether I like, I'm trying to judge it on what she has presented. And I think what she's presented is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with eight out of 10. Um, Tracy, I'm curious, is there a title of a book that you might recommend or something that you think like maybe posed some similar questions, but that you did find a little more satisfying or um, that it maybe answered questions in a way that that you appreciated that you might recommend for people? I would say The Fact of a Body by Alex Marzano Lesnovich. That book is very similar. It's a non sort of a nonfiction version, but it does not answer any more questions. Okay. Um, but it, it, I think it grapples in a slightly more... The space feels less cringy to you, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I will say that that book ha- is a memoir and it has a lot of um, sexual violence and there is a child murder. So Oof. I just want okay. people to know that because I know some people are very sensitive to those things. I am not. <laughs> I'm, I'm borderline a little inappropriate about these things, but I just like to let people know because it's not a book you can just like enter into. Okay. I'm not going to turn it on and go in the bath then. Yeah. 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 Totally. One book that. I don't know. It's very different in a lot of ways, but I found myself thinking about a little bit. I think especially when it comes to sort of the idea of the inverted mystery, which I always really enjoy where it's like, you know, at least you know that something happened, but you don't maybe know exactly what or why or who did it is Miracle Creek. Has either of you read that one? Yes, by Angie Kim? I haven't. We did that on the stacks. For oh, book cool. Club. I just loved it. And it's one actually I got a galley of it and read it on a plane and got like two thirds of the way in. And then I left the book on the plane. (gasps) And I was like heading to this girls weekend in Seattle and my friends though. And I was just like, I couldn't stop mentioning it because I was just so devastated that I left this great book on the plane. And they were like, okay, Greta, we get it. So for someone who has not read it, me, 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 um, what's it about? (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. I mean, It's about this family that runs a, let's see, Tracy, you remember better than I do if you've done it recently. Oh, no, we did it when it came out, but they run a, they run like a bariatric chamber. It's like an oxygen chamber and you have to like get lowered into it. And usually people use these bariatric chambers for like wound healing, but this is like, they were using it for sort of like experimental autism treatments. It sounds like in the book and there's an accident and I don't think this is a spoiler. There's an accident. No, I think you know in the first chapter that it blows up. Yeah, it blows up and some people die and then it's like about who, who done it. Yeah, it's Um, a trial. It's a trial and, and the family, I think the thing that really makes this book interesting is that the family who owns the chamber, they, I believe are Korean immigrants mm-hmm. yeah. um, and they have a daughter. And so the, the daughter I believe is born in America or moves when she's very young, but speaks English very well. There's some friction about that. And then also all the people who are in the chambers, there are these parents of autistic children and it's about like parenting kind yes, of and yeah. like autism and, and like, like disability to help your kid and just all yeah. the, oh it's so good it's really good yeah read it mj you'd like it we'll do we'll do um i had time to think of a book i was really panicking because i was like i don't read a ton of crime fiction i don't know what is <laughs> similar <laughs> but then i thought about colson whitehead <laughs> and harlem shuffle um mm. which is just a fun crime like romp <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say wrong. 
I don't know how to talk about crime fiction either. Maybe I should, this is my, I'm getting my homework from this episode. Um, but it, it's like, it's this like fun episodic story of someone kind of descending into like the underworld of New York's crime scene. And it's mm-hmm. done in the quintessential Colson Whitehead, extremely literary, extremely thoughtful way, but it's still, it's a crime story. Um, and so I thought of that one because I think it does something similar to this one, which is balance like a, a thrilling plot with like deep literary considerations. That's a great recommendation. Phew, I was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you did great. You both did great. And Tracy, you can pick the book next time. How does that sound? No, I don't. I like to not like books. This is like a thing with me. I like it. Even like my most favorite books and my most favorite songs and my most favorite, you know, like there's things where I'm like, this is wrong to me. Like, I hate this little moment. It doesn't mean I don't like a thing. I just, I love talking about things that don't work as much as I love talking about things that do work because I think it adds so much. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of texture to that for sure. I agree. I'm glad that like we disagreed about this book because yeah like I I I now have new ways of thinking about this that I had not considered um yeah and you've like you've pushed me in my thinking on this further so thank you does this mean that I am now a New York Times book critic because that's my <laughs> dream so Put it on the resume <laughs> well seriously thanks again you two this was really fun y'all are the best thank you yeah thank you for having us All right, that's it for Notes on an Execution. You can hear Tracy talk about books over on her show, The Stacks, which you can get wherever you listen to podcasts. And MJ has a new column for The New York Times where he gets to rave about a YA book every month. So check that out, too. It is, of course, already April. Our selection for this month is Min Jin Lee's fabulous epic Pachinko. Read it and then tell us what you think. It is never too early to send a voicemail over. You can record yourself on your smartphone and then email the file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. We also post a lot about books on our Instagram. That is a great place to hang. Just find us at nerdatpodcast. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman. Our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. See you in a couple weeks. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.